Welcome back to the Jote Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 86. And Dad, I wanted to take the opportunity at the beginning of this episode to really toot my own horn. Okay. Uh, we're into the Stanley Cup semifinals, and I got three of the teams right, including one of the matchups. So I wanted to toot my horn for that. I also wanted to reveal to you that I am one point ahead of you in our hockey pool. Okay. That was that was all my tooting. I, w- I was really proud of that. To, to pick Tampa Bay and the Islanders... I mean, Tampa Bay makes sense, but I don't think many people were expecting the Islanders to make it this far. And I'm assuming the Leafs were your other team. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Vegas, good for Vegas. Uh, So we will talk about those series and preview the Stanley Cup semifinal. Uh, I'll talk about the French Open, NBA playoffs. Let's start with Major League Baseball because it feels like it's where we always start. Uh, The Chicago Cubs won which isn't a surprise because they're the current NL Central darling. Because that, that, that division seems to be flipping week by week. Every time I look, there's a different division leader other than the Pirates and the Reds. Yeah, the Pirates are really – we have, I mean, one Pirates thing, and it might be the last time we talk about them this year. But uh, the oh, big thing – the trade deadline. That's true. They'll sell off some pieces. The real big story about this one was Wrigley Field at 100% capacity. Wow. And it just shows we're moving in the right direction, and it's becoming a little more normal again. And when you say we, you're talking about the United States of America. Yeah. I mean, at least Vegas is going to come to Montreal. Yeah. We'll get some cross-border travel. Yes. And that's why we have to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to wait in line to go to Marshalls. (laughs) Things are so normal. Uh, With the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cabrian Hayes, who was a Rookie of the Year contender, he hits a home run and was immediately then called out. Did you did you see why? I did not, no. So, uh, Brian Hayes, home run, trotting around, and then the umpires kind of huddle together, and on video review, it was revealed he did not touch first base. Oh, wow. So, he was then ruled out after hitting a home run. I, I don't know how many times we're ever going to see that again in baseball. It's funny you say that because if you've ever seen Tom Cheeks touch them all, Joe, he got that because he didn't think Joe was going to be touching first base. He did kind of, he does kind of panic in that moment, like that he hits the home run, he doesn't know how to react. Yeah. It's also funny that when. Imagine that. That would be historic. You win win the the World World Series Series. and then you lose the World Series. Yeah, I don't think, especially a Toronto team, I don't think they would recover from having the World Series snatched from them (laughs) you know um alex bregman uh known houston astro uh had a great encounter with a fan in which some i I don't think it was this fan but a fan was calling him over for a picture and the kids taking a video and this is the one time i will praise the boston red sox because it's the one time uh cheer isn't the right word i hope both teams lose when boston and houston play but this Red Sox fan just immediately says, I don't want to talk to you. Go bang on a trash can. Like right in front of Bregman. And he just wow. kind of has to smile and walk away. But yeah. it was it was the ultimate. Like, I think Yankee fans are pretty savage. Like, they had the garbage yeah. cans out. Right. Red Sox fans, like, that was like maybe a 12-year-old kid that was telling him that. Right. Like, I think Boston is a different level of crazy. Yes, agreed. From a very young age. Uh, Pete Alonzo... Calls out the MLB because this is all we have to talk about now. Major League Baseball is still in this sticky situation. Uh, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. yeah. He said they were 
that Major League Baseball manipulates balls based on who is in the free agency class. Wow, that sounds too complicated. Which then Mets GM, or they said acting GM, uh, just kind of answered it or responded, I guess, with a laugh and said, I didn't know Pete was a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, really. And just the fact that he you it even comes into question that that they could be doing this i think is just one of the mon- many major problems with baseball yeah agreed uh the other and disappointing part for the yankees was uh garrett cole who was asked about using foreign substances right did you see his response i did not because it wasn't a response he just kind of went uh, 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 i don't know how to answer that which made me kind of like sink a little bit like mm-hmm. If you're not using substances, you should be able to simply answer, I don't use them. Right. And he just kind of stumbled. And even Jameson Tyon, who we'll talk about him, he's starting tomorrow. But he said Major League Baseball should ban all substances that could be used in that way or used to, uh, I don't even, like on your fingers, on the ball, whatever, yep. to change on the, the spin rate. Yep. It's just, I feel like Tyon is really not like separating himself from the team, but it feels like he's really calling like his own teammate out because. And they're good friends. And it kind of like Cole not answering that question as much as I want to say he's just not good at talking, that makes him look like he's guilty. Right. And Tyon calling him out, I, I guess it's a good thing for baseball that he's saying we should eliminate doctoring baseballs, but like. Just when your teammate's in that kind of trouble, and it's—I think it was really the only Yankee, I guess, because he's the biggest Yankee pitcher that's getting called out. Right. It just—I don't know. In the clubhouse, I feel like unless they talk about it and it's not a big deal, but it's just something on the outside looking in that could be a concern in the locker room. Could be. Yep. Uh, that was all the baseball. I mean, Yankees update—they did take two out of three. Against Minnesota, seems like back on track. Giancarlo hit two home runs. Garrett Cole, spin rate was fine. I love that he got to face Josh Donaldson. For sure, yeah, that was awesome. And it's uh, and Minnesota seems to be the Yankees' medicine. It's yeah, it's always a, it's a team that can always track. beat. Uh, so Jameson Tyon is starting. Oh, I guess also, um, I didn't. I don't have the quote, but all I have to say is Scott Boris who is Garrett Cole's agent, responded to right. those accusations. And anything Scott Boris says, you can just not even – I think a grain of salt is a little is it's a little light. Yeah. No, light. You oh. just – I guess eh, it depends which way you want to take the metaphor. But right. whatever he's saying, he's just defending his client. For sure. Yeah. Like, And he – I feel like also, like, I don't know any Major League Baseball, like, fan. And I feel like to know Scott Boris kind of have to be a hardcore fan. I can't imagine anybody has a good experience with him. No, exactly. Or a good other, memory. Other than his clients. Yeah, like it's... It, he has good clients, but then he also like ruins relationships with teams because yeah. he's just such a jerk about negotiations. Right. Like, was it, he's, I'm pretty sure he was A-Rod's agent. And he that, was, yeah. And that's enough. He signed, what, two like 10-plus year contracts? Yeah. I, I guess it's worth it, to, worth it because they got the money out of it. Yeah. Well, that's what he's there for. So, is this uh, win series win again against Minnesota? Do you think this is the trampoline for the Yankees to kind of get back in this race? Yes and no. 
It's going to be an up and down season. I think it's just the way they're going to be this year. Win ten, lose ten. So they, I think they're going to be battling the Jays for that second wild card spot all season long. I think that's. And I was just looking at the schedule. They play the Jays seven times in September, so that will probably determine the season because they, unless they, unless really, it. I think it comes down to the top of the order. If DJ can come, get out of his slump somehow. Uh, because um, I know, um, I think it was the second game that they won. Um, everyone got a hit on the Yankees except for DJ. That's weird. Yeah, and it's it's right? a he's usually the one who starts stuff. Yeah, it's a very off so, season for, for DJ. Sure. He's hitting under two fifty nine or something there now, which is again, it's almost a hundred points under his average. Yeah, right. Um, I think that's all I had. I guess also. I, we should mention Trevor Bauer, who I, I didn't see, but apparently people also said that he was caught lying or stumbling in some way. But he did strike out Ronald Acuna Jr. with his uh, with one of his eyes closed, <laughs> and that's the fun part of baseball is that he closes his eye. Which I feel like I haven't watched it all of the sequences, but I right. feel like it's not really that difficult. No, like not not that it's easy. Like you're a major yeah, league yeah. baseball pitcher, but like. What's closing one eye going to do besides, like, maybe your depth perception? And if he's doing it, he's clearly, A, practiced it, and B, if he didn't, there's a ball that's going to sail 15 feet over a batter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's his excuse so he can hit a batter. Yeah. Uh, that's all for baseball. Uh, French Open, we are in the late rounds. Uh, men's and women's final set yep. for this weekend. That's right. How... From pretty much the round of sixteen is about when I start paying attention. Right. How how have you seen these matches going down the stretch? Um on the women's side, it the four semifinalists um that were in the on the women's draw had never been in a Grand Slam semifinal, so that's going to show you there was new blood there. Um and uh, on the men's side, it was almost um, the the regular guys yeah. in there, right? It was who you expect, but I feel like I said that at the beginning of this tournament. Women's tournament, I feel like especially uh, the French Open is always the weirdest tournament because you can kind of just catch them on, on an off day. And I know that's every tournament, but I feel like clay is very different in terms of the surface and how people use it. Yeah, because you you actually have clay court specialists. Some players just play on clay, like almost their entire career, or or they're you know growing up as kids or whatever. And so they're yeah. So that's where you get those like Sarah Iranis who can't get out of the first round out of any other Grand Slam, but you could see her in the semifinal um, on the clay court. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Vera, first semifinal. Yeah. Pass survives. Is he... I don't want to say separates himself because we saw a team get upset in the first round. Is is that our is that our next generation? Because I, I, calling trying to call them the Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal isn't fair, but is that our next group? Is Pass Verev team? Or is anybody else in that group too? Yeah, no, I would put those three there for sure. That's why I was surprised team got eliminated so early because I thought he was the favorite actually going coming into this year i thought he would be the the man to be able to knock off rafa 
Um, but Tsitsipas, I like him because he's got an all-court game, so I really think his best chance is on clay, but I really think he, uh, well, he's already shown it, um, like at the Australian Open, he beat uh, Rafa in the quarters in five after being down two sets to nothing, Mm -hmm. so I, I think that really bodes well for him coming into the summer here. And the up and down of Pass winning the first two sets, losing the next two, and pulling out the fifth. Do you think that's a... Because I know there's a day off, but is that a disadvantage going into Sunday? I don't think so, because um, their their five-set match was shorter than Djokovic's four-set match. Yeah. And I, way less stress, because in the uh, Pass match... He was in control for two sets. Zverev was in control for the other two sets, and then Stefano was in control for the fifth set. So it there wasn't a, it was a good match because it went back and forth, but it went back and forth by two sets to two sets to one set. Where mm-hmm. you saw some of that the Nadal match, it was like every game was like deuce, yeah. like it was just yeah, you could. Uh, you could just cut that with a the tension with a with a fishing line. It was just <laughs> crazy. And that Djokovic Nadal match was uh, intense. The I feel like the night the night session of any tournament kind of adds the drama. Correct. Yes. But it was also the worry because it it was three sets in and it was over three hours and. Yep it was starting to get to the point where fans might have had to leave. Right. The third set was an hour and 28 minutes. Like That's got to be close to a record. And, yeah, that was crazy. And it was great that, uh, you know, the French Open said, yeah, we're going to make an exception here because I think they had to change their mind because they were watching one of the greatest uh, – you'll probably see some uh, – you're probably not on Twitter, right? But, anyway, they were showing Twitter um, during the match and, like, Andy Roddick – I think he summed it up, up perfectly. Um, he said, "This I'm watching this. It's the perfect clay court match." Mm-hmm. Is what he said. Because I feel like it's. Well, I mean, it's always been Nadal's surface, but the way Djokovic uses the clay to his advantage, and he's running down a ball, and he just slides, which to me, huge risk. Like I know yes. if you're if you're understanding the court like deeper into a match, you would know how you can slide and not. But right. You're one mistake away, first of all, I mean, losing a point, not the biggest deal in the world, but that could also be like a knee, ankle, something in your leg injury if you right. kind of almost, I don't want to say stop, but like that you hit a point where you stop sliding after kind of giving away your momentum. Right. But it doesn't really, I'd say people get injured more in on the other surfaces as opposed to clay because I think it's a little bit more easier on your joints because you're not bouncing up and down you're sliding mm-hmm. but yeah you're right because but in other sports and that's or other sports other surfaces I, that's sometimes happens is they some of the players have a tendency to want to still slide and yeah that's where sometimes you get that abrupt stop and yeah you blow out a knee or ankle or something and this is so Djokovic wins in four sets um Nadal's third ever loss at the French Open. I think no matter what, obviously he'll have the legacy as the greatest clay court player ever. Yeah. Three losses and 
I couldn't think of the third, and that's why I, I don't know if you'll remember, but obviously, so he loses to Djokovic. He lost to Robin Soderling. 2009, fourth round, and he lost to Djokovic in the quarterfinals in 2015, which, note to that, Djokovic did not win the French Open that year. Which he lost it, to one, uh, Wawrinka. Which, Wawrinka, that's another name, and it, I feel like it doesn't happen as, hmm, maybe just as much in men's tennis, that... These guys, or girls included as well, you kind of see runs. Like, I remember the Vavrinka. I remember, like, Sanga was on a run. But it's not like those people go away. They're still there, but they're just right. kind of unranked. And yeah, exactly. pushed to the shadows. Yeah. Uh, so, men's final Sunday, Tsitsipas, Djokovic. What, what does... First of all, Tsitsipas, we got to figure out a nickname for that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he needs one. Uh, what does he have to do to beat Djokovic? Because it feels like that is the it is a definite uphill ba- battle. Yeah, I I think he has to um come to the net. So he won. I think he finished at eighty three percent, um, winning the points when he came to the net in that semifinal with Sasha, um, earlier today. So I I think he has to to try and control the point and that's pretty hard against Djokovic he but he I think the other thing just has to stay with him um I really think that the the Djokovic Nadal match took a lot out of the Joker and if Tsitsipas can take advantage of that early I'm not gonna say he's gonna run away with it because I'm gonna say this is gonna be uh I want to say it's gonna go four sets but I think the Joker will pull it out I I I just I don't know I don't know if Tsitsipas is ready yet. Yeah, and he's close. Yeah, he's getting close. And that's the thing about this next generation. And I put I just say those three guys specifically specifically because there are younger guys. Like I love Jack Sinner. Like I remember when he played Rafa and didn't look scared at all. That's who I thought actually Nadal this year was going to lose to, like uh, in the fourth round he had to play him. And, uh, yeah, I thought for sure, but Sinner's not, he's still a little too young, wasn't quite ready. Uh, Swartzman had a b- better uh, match against it all, which to me, I'm, I'm, I wasn't worried him playing against the, uh, Swartzman because it's almost like, uh, I forget what the, who it was that, uh, John McEnroe said, it's, it's almost like boxing where you've got a heavyweight pl- up against a middleweight. Like, there should be different classes. It's almost not fair. Yeah, just the physical, like, because, yeah, Schwartzman's pretty small Five, guy. Seven. He's my size. <laughs> um, women's final. Um, I feel bad that I had to look it up, but I just could not remember how to pronounce the names. I was going to say, try and pronounce them, even uh, looking at it. Looking at it, uh, Pavlachenkova. Yep. And, Ranked 31st. And uh, Krychikova, Krychikova. Bless you. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, no, you got it. All right. Um, uh, and she's unseated. Uh, the big story for her is uh, uh, she was trained by uh, Yanni Novotna, who was a big um, player in the 90s and I think early 2000s. I think she retired then. Anyway, anyway, she passed away in 2017, and she basically um, – sh- she has just said uh, Novotna has given her everything that – to get her to this point so wow that's yeah. a pretty powerful story yeah, she said that it was almost like um um you know when the the finalists and the winner talk at the end of the tournament she was saying this when she won the semifinal, which was like wow that was 
I mean, to even get to that point, because that's like two people, like you said, two people in the final that don't have experience at this level. Exactly. Um, so I'll, I'll say this anyway, the, from the women's semifinal, um, Zachary should have won, but she just didn't play in the moment. Um, it was there for the taking, but they were both nervous. In the other semifinal, neither one of them were nervous, and it was a great match. So on the women's side, one really good match, one sort of eh, eh. So I would go with the Russian to win this just because she's got – she's never been there, but she definitely has more experience. Mm-hmm. And the it's always one of those, like, do you just trust the seeded player or do you trust the more of a – I don't even want to say miracle run, but right. more of the upstart story. Right, exactly. Uh, so yeah, French Open will be, we'll be able to talk about the finals next episode. Uh, anything else from, from Roland Garros? No. Uh, NBA playoff update, Milwaukee, Brooklyn game two, uh, snooze fest to say the least. Yep. I, I, I've been watching now so I can, I'm up to speed with you. Can, okay. You can chime in. Yep. Uh, 125, uh, Kevin Durant, 32 points, really started to carry the load i mean he was already their best player now without james harden he's had to step up even more Giannis, i feel like there's nothing else you could say besides an underwhelming 18 points and 11 rebounds the nets at one point led by 49 so i feel like that says enough about this game and even being as close as it was kind of seems like a, a score that doesn't tell the story of the game right uh game three and I should have I should have opened with this if I didn't want to brag about myself. But uh, if I told you an NBA playoff game was eighty six eighty three, what quarter would you have guessed they were in? Uh, somewhere in the third quarter, but this was a nineteen ninety five playoff game for sure. And really, if you look at the beginning of this, it was over early. I thought it was. 26-9? Yeah, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, really... yeah. So I thought, oh, that it's over. But guess what? Brooklyn did two things for me. They were able to come back from that, but they can still – they also play defense. So that made me like, wow. I didn't think they were – I thought they were just all about run and gun, and that's how they were going to win in the playoffs. Even though they lost this game, now I think this – I, I don't want to say the Bucks are out of it, but the Bucks are in real tough now, Yeah, even though they won that game. The fact that the Nets hung around in that game, Joe Harris scored three points, which he becomes the third option on this team now without James Harden, with him underperforming. And, and you're right, the defense they play, like Blake Griffin and Jeff Van Gundy loves how good Blake Griffin is. I don't, I don't know what, I guess the only connection I can make between them is that Stan Van Gundy, his brother traded for Blake Griffin. Right. Besides that, Jeff is just, he's a huge fan of Blake Griffin and is happy all over the Greek. Yeah. Because this is supposed to be his moment. This is your, this is your third. I don't even, can we call the second round a deep playoff run? Because it's not yeah, really it's not not for these two teams. No. They're expected to conference go, finals, finals. Yeah, yeah. So this is so this is Giannis's how about third legit run. So 20, yeah. 2019, yeah, yeah. they're up to nothing against the Raptors in the conference right. finals, and just it's not even. I don't even think you can say Milwaukee blew it. I just think no. Toronto took over. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think Milwaukee did anything wrong. No. Right. It's not like they fell apart or anything like that. 
And last year, I feel like people forget Giannis was hurt in that second round. Like he missed a game. He might have missed two games against right. Miami. Still the bubble. Still the circumstance they were given, and they lost. So it feels like if they lose to this Brooklyn team, I feel like you give them one more chance. But I feel like four years in the NBA is kind of an eternity to keep a yeah, good team together. For sure. Yep. Uh, this game, it's unbelievable to me that they scored 86 points, uh, Milwaukee did, and 68 of them were by Chris Middleton and Giannis. Right. And I think it's one of the highest percentage. I think they scored 78% of their points in this game, and they needed every ounce of it. Yeah, because nobody else could hit a shot. Like, um, the Greek would even go inside and throw something back to a wide-open guy. And I mean wide open, where like he had like three seconds to set his feet, set his arms, and let it go. And it, they just – was it Tucker? Is he on there? Yep, PJ yeah, Tucker. I, I seen – he missed two or three. He, he you know, gets like left just, wide open. Wow. Like that's – yeah. And again, it goes to show you what's the game plan. We're not going to let you score inside. Throw it out to someone else. We'll let them, we'll let them beat us. Because that was the thing about the Miami series is every guy on Milwaukee was hitting shots from everywhere. It didn't matter who was yeah. open. Like we were talking about Bryn Forbes, who has been, even without Dante DiVincenzo, he's been pretty quiet in this series. Like he was putting up 20-point games against Miami, and now right. no one else is hitting shots. Chris Middleton, 35 points. Giannis, 33. Middleton, 15 rebounds. Giannis, 14. Like they just two-man show, and it almost made me feel like this is like Jordan and Pippen before they won championships, like when they were playing the bad boy Pistons and they right. were the two young upstarts. For sure. And like watching that game, like the Greek had to work for his points. There was a few times I watched him try to go inside. There was no room. Like for him, he's usually he's going to get in there one way or another. Yeah. They double, triple team it. He'd bring it back out. Try again, yeah. or then throw it out to someone. Like that was a, a struggle. So again, I know I got to stick with my Bucks. They're my team, and they won a game. So we'll we'll see. It's it's, it'll, it's a series. Yeah, uh, Kevin Durant, thirty points, ten rebounds, five assists, really carrying the load. Uh, Drew Holiday hits the game winner with eleven seconds left, and I I feel bad talking about Bruce Brown this way because he is a really talented offensive or defensive player, but. With 11 seconds left in the game and you get the last shot, or uh, maybe wasn't the last shot, it was but the he, shot he before it. Drew Holiday. That's right, yeah, because he, he just went in and got a, a like a layup. He tried to put like, up a layup, and he is not out there to score. Right. And when you have, you can you give it to either of Kevin Durant, who has hit countless clutch shots in the playoffs, or Kyrie Irving, who is I'm gonna say out there that. He hit the most important shot of the 21st century in the 2016 finals. Right. Either of those two guys. And Kyrie Irving to me is someone who is an anomaly because he's 6'1", 6'2"-ish. And I can't remember the last time I've seen his shot get blocked from anywhere. Wow. And that's even with Giannis. I'm sure he's been blocked. I don't need a clip. But it's it's very rare. Right, right. Especially the way he spins the ball off the backboard. He does all this crazy stuff. And uh, yeah... Milwaukee survived, but Kevin Durant took, uh, I don't even want to call it a terrible shot, but I think he had two, what, two seconds, just over two yeah. seconds to get a shot off. Right. And it hits the back of the rim, and there was a part of me when that went up because I of how many shots he hit at the yeah. end of yep. the game. 
it seemed like it was going in. We were going to go to overtime, but yeah, it was a tough shot. Bounces the wrong way and definitely might have been Brooklyn's. I'm not going to say their best game because they blew up Milwaukee twice, but right. it was an encouraging game even though they lost. Right, and this is still without James Harden. Exactly. Uh, Denver Phoenix. Uh, we missed or we had the two games to talk about. Game one, Phoenix wins one twenty two one hundred five. Chris Paul, which he got MVP votes for a reason, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 11 assists, but it just kind of felt like a balanced scoring effort. Uh, Mikael Bridges, 23 points, Devin Booker, 20, DeAndre Ayton, 20 points, 10 rebounds, and it was one of those games where Denver, by the fourth quarter, by the end of the third quarter, they just kind of knew they were out of it, Right. but still put Jokic back in. They still tried to do everything they could, but it just... It wasn't enough, and Phoenix was way too much, especially Chris Paul in this magically he- healed shoulder. I just must have got that soccer juice. <laughs> uh, before game two, Nikola Jokic was named the regular season MVP. Uh, good for him. I saw Djokovic also wearing his jersey, congratulating him, both a couple what? Serbians. Why do they do it in the second round? Uh yeah, that's that it seems like it makes sense. Like, see, regular season's over. Okay, let's give out the awards. You have a couple or of days wait. before the playoffs start. It should it, be either before the playoffs or after, not in the middle. Yeah, just like I, I never understood that. Especially this, and there's so many stories. Like Giannis last year got eliminated in the, in the bubble before he could get his trophy and accepted accepted it at home. Dirk Nowitzki, when he won his MVP, I. Th- think they might have already been out of the playoffs because right. that was the year they lost to golden state there's just there's too many bad stories and especially this year Nikola Jokic, they're in like a meeting in phoenix like if you're gonna give him this award and you voted on it everything no big deal but could you not wait to announce it and give it to him when they're back in denver back at home instead of in a hotel boardroom they need to get a hold of major league base or sorry the nfl who stays in the media spotlight all year round, and they do it at the right times. Yeah, like the NBA for all occasions. The NBA has had an award show. A lot of people don't like it, but like, at least it's something. It's something different, and not just like, oh, hey, he won this award. Good job. Like, what? It just doesn't feel like a real award. Like an award show it, it, is something you would want to have. I totally agree. Like, wh- why is it more important for the? NBA Finals MVP, who gets a big trophy in front of everybody, nineteen thousand fans. Well, not last year, but I mean, other than that, right? Yeah. And the the guy who plays the entire regular season, you know, he's in a phone booth. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of they release the MVP voting and the fans get a vote. And do you want to guess who the fans fans voted first and therefore got on the ballot? I have no idea. Do they have a Zamboni driver? <laughs> no, but basketball. Uh, it was someone who should have been nominated for Six Man of the Year. It was Derek Rose. Ah, okay. He got the fans' first place vote, which I'm not going to argue because everybody loves Derek Rose. Who who doesn't? It's he has such a great story. But the fact then that he is on the ballot over pretty deserving people, even Ben Simmons, because I think he got, I think he might have gotten a first place vote. So he was ahead of like LeBron James. Okay, and the system is definitely flawed, yeah. and there's way too much like bias out there for sure. 
and good for Jokic. Hilarious that Rose won it, and then Denver walked into game two and got steamrolled again, 123-98. Chris Paul, 17 points, 15 uh, assists, and in the first two games combined, Chris Paul, 26 assists and one turnover. Wow. That is the point guard, and at least to me, he's cementing himself as a top five point guard ever because this is finally like he's made one one western conference final and he gets hurt like right. the, it's usually his thing that he gets hurt in the playoffs but this feels like his legitimate chance to make the finals how much closer would this series be with the canadian oh jamal murray would make all the difference because it would just be someone and jamal murray in a big game he could play 40 plus minutes and right. it honestly seems like right now him sitting on the bench because he has calmed down since the first round so i guess he's listened to the nba right i think he could play 20 minutes just he would be hobbling around and be in a big knee brace but i, I think he would do it i don't think it would be smart or he right. could right he's a torn acl i'm pretty sure but he would do it and it's a very canadian type move to do especially in the nba uh, Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, called out the team and he said going into... First of all, he acknowledged the fans because they were chanting Suns and right. Four. Yes. And yeah, I did hear that. And then he said um, they were right to do that. We had yep. no energy. Yep. And he said going into the next game, I don't know if I have five guys I can play because I yeah. want guys that will lay it out on the floor and yep. all the cliches, but... I know you're calling out your team and you're trying to motivate them because you're down 2 nothing in a series. But it's also, it's a lot of these series. It's not really a huge problem until you lose. To me, everyone says until you lose at home. To me, right. it's if you lose that third game in a row, that's when you're in trouble. Yeah, I guess he, he must be seeing some other stuff out there, though, for him to, that's a panic button move to me. That's You're, you're grasping at straws. You're doing whatever you can because you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta, Philadelphia, game two, uh, game three going on as a recording. Philly wins. They figured out at least defensively what to do a little more. Right. Uh, one eighteen, one oh two. Joel Embiid again. This the slight meniscus tear, and it's it is kind of ironic that DeAndre Hunter on the Hawks has a meniscus injury. They didn't say to what extent, but he's out, and he, I think he might be out for the playoffs. And Embiid is playing on this injury scoring 40 points and 13 rebounds wow. which is now his new career playoff high after uh game one he set his career playoff high with 39 wow so it's just getting better it seems More like he's going to improve better yeah uh again for the sixers it was just a kind of a balanced attack i guess tobias harris 22 points seth curry 21 shake milton off the bench 14 points and good old ben simmons who's just He's putting up Russell Westbrook numbers. Uh, this time, they just forgot to add tens onto them because he had four points, wow. three rebounds, and seven assists. Ouch. And that is supposed to be Philadelphia's second best player. If Philly gets through the series, which it has become a big question mark if they will now, yeah. they need Ben Simmons to show up against Brooklyn or Milwaukee. You could, you could say the or. Right. Either of them, they need Simmons to be not just a factor on the defensive end, which he is. He's one of the best defensive players, but you need him to put up some offensive numbers. For sure. Uh, Clippers, Jazz, we've been through two games, and they've both been, like, thrillers, to say the least, especially because most of these games, like, you go through the scores. Uh, 
Milwaukee, Brooklyn, 125-86. Denver, Phoenix, 122-105 and 123-98. Even Atlanta, Philly, 118-102. Clippers and Jazz are giving us two, gave us two really good games. The Jazz won both. Uh, game one, 112-109. Donovan Mitchell scores 45 points. And he is now tied with Carl Malone for the most 40-point games in Utah Jazz playoff history. Wow. And Carl Malone sitting in the stands as he's breaking this or tying this record. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy that Carl Malone didn't have more. Like Donovan Mitchell yeah. had four, and that's right. what's tied the record. Right. And people, Carl Malone is an all-time great player, yeah. but you could kind of tell 40-point games, if it's only four, that he wasn't always the greatest playoff performer. Right. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 45 points. Kawhi, 23. Paul George pretty consistent you kind of would want him to score more 20 points 10 rebounds luke Kennard was a big piece 18 points at one point it felt like it was just going to be all three pointers and <laughs> that is kind of what he offers this clippers team is right. just some heat check three pointers off the bench uh the best part of this game was the runs there there's only two i'm going to bring up but utah at one point was on a 21 to 9 run yeah and that was I think responding to the Clippers when they were on a 22 to two run. Right. And college basketball at its finest. And Utah just kind of held on. Like it didn't, it's one twelve one Oh nine, but it didn't really feel like Utah was really in jeopardy of losing. Right. And game two was kind of even, I don't even I don't want to say worse, but one seventeen one eleven. Um, do you want to, I'll give you an over under for this one. Uh, Six and a half uh, players to score for Utah. Over under? Over under six and a half. Over. Uh, that would be incorrect. <laughs> six players wow. score for the Utah Jazz. Wow. Donovan Mitchell, 37. Jordan Clarkson, 24. Joe Ingles, 19. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 16. Rudy Gobert with 13 points, 20 rebounds. Wow. And Royce O'Neal, eight points. And that is all they need to win this game. They've won these first two games also without Mike Connolly in the lineup at all. Uh, the Clippers, Reggie Jackson led them in scoring 29 points. Paul George grabbing 10 rebounds again. This time, 27 points, a better performance. Right. And this was a Kawhi Leonard, 21 points. That's not what he's there for. He's there to score 30-plus in important games. Yeah. And it seems like their backs are against the wall. They don't seem too concerned, but it also is the... If they lose this third game at home, then you can be worried. Sure. And Kawhi said he's not worried. And I think the only reason you don't have to be worried is that they were close games and that they were in them towards the end. Right. And they didn't let them get out of control like any of those other games. Right. Um, some other NBA news besides Derek Rose getting a first-place MVP vote. Uh I almost wanted to lead with this for the entire show just to be funny, but LeBron James is changing his number, and yeah. that is a news story. Right. He's going from 23 to 6, and everyone's talking about, oh, it's going to be Miami LeBron again, even though that was 10 years ago now yeah. that he joined Miami. Yeah. I, I think it's good. He's going to sell a lot of jerseys because of it. Yeah. He, he wanted to switch to 6 before, so Anthony Davis could be 23. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to be 23 now. Like, right. is that... Like, it'd honestly kind of be funnier if he just was like, no, I'll just be number three. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah. That's weird. 
Also, Pascal Siakam, uh, shoulder surgery out for at least five months, which I then wow. did the math of the surgery, so he's out until November. Wow. At the minimum. So going into next season, the Raptors down. Some people argued, and I wanted to hear your opinion, that Siakam was the MVP of this team this year. Ooh. Yeah, I yeah, I guess he was. My only argument was Freddie, but he also missed more time lots, than Siakam. Lots of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five months going into the next year, maybe I think the positive you can take is that he has this time to rehab and get right for the season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it looks like the NBA is going to start on time next year, so that's a positive as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too upset about the the going into July, but I guess it's also for both the NBA and the NHL, they like July 1st to 4th as like their big free agency day. Right, exactly, yeah. Which going going to the NHL, uh, Islanders Bruins. Actually, no wait. Let's talk about uh, awards first. Uh, Norris nominees: Adam Fox, Victor Hedman, Kale McCarr. Uh, one of those guys only still playing. Uh, do you have an idea of how about? Let's go with who you would pick if that's different from who you think is going to win. I would say it's going to be Kale McCarr. I. I really want it to be Adam Fox. I feel like he deserves it, but Kale McCard does seem like, especially the way, and we'll talk about that Avalanche series, the way he played all year, even yeah. though he missed time, he was just as dominant. Right. Uh, Jack Adams. This is this was a good trivia for me because I did not know this. Rod Brindamore, Joe Quenville, and Dean Evason. All you... NHL players. Dean Evason was? Yep. Has played he... for the Hartford Whalers. That was, I'm guessing you know who he coaches. Um, no, I don't remember. I did see the that story. I don't re- recall who he's the coach of, though. I had no idea, but it kind of makes sense when you think about it because it's like a team you don't really know that well. Right. We definitely didn't watch them much this year. Anaheim? Minnesota Wild. Oh. Oh, Still okay. in that Western division. Right. I feel like Carolina's been good for the last couple of years. To me, it's Quenville. The way he, he picked up that Florida team. Florida team, team yeah. With... A very talented roster, but brought them to the point where they looked like they could be playoff contenders, and I think next year they will be even more. I'm going to go with Brindamore just because they were the second-best team overall. Uh, I think in the top, I think they're a third. They're, okay. Anyway. Top three the, team. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not a bad pick, and neither is Dean Evison. I no, don't think many no. people expected Minnesota to be that good. Exactly. Agreed. Yep. Uh, finally, Hart. Um, again, regular season award, so it's not a clear giveaway, but Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon. If this was including the playoffs, especially Nathan McKinnon, who we'll talk about, I feel like would be the runaway winner. But you score 100 points in 56 games, it's probably Connor McDavid. I'm sure we'll find out. It's We're in the second round of the playoffs, isn't this? Oh, sorry, wrong league. <laughs> yeah, they do it proper and wait till the season's over. Yeah, it's gonna be Connor McDavid. Come on, is uh, is Matthews the right third selection? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I was wondering how get yeah, pushed back I, from that. No, I watched a lot of hockey, more hockey than I've ever watched any other year. So I would say I'm a hockey expert this year, <laughs> except in the playoffs. Well, yeah, well, playoffs there, or playoffs. I was gonna say, what's your final four? Or what was know, your I final just, four? I don't know. I just know I have I had Colorado and Carolina in the final. 
two years in a row. I thought, oh, okay, maybe it was a little too early in the first year. I'll get it the second year. I feel like year three, you just have to do it. You I have know, to pick them again. I, I can't. <laughs> but then that's going to be the year it happens. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Islanders, Bruins. Uh, the Islanders win game five, five, four in Boston. Uh, there were two big takeaways for me in this one. First off was Tuka Rasp getting removed after the second yeah. period, but apparently for maintenance, which I think we all knew that wasn't maintenance. Right. And uh, we found out after that he has a torn labrum and getting surgery and he's out till January. Yeah, that's a huge for a goalie. That's a huge. I remember Nidamaki had that for the Flyers. Yeah, it's like a six month minimum because that's like that's what you use when you're doing the butterfly Mm -hmm. and the other one was barry trotz taking a timeout when they're up five four to and he tells everyone take a deep breath and they just grind out a win like it's everyone what's i mean i guess besides game six of this series what is the easiest win the islanders have had in these playoffs they're they're not easy none of them are because that's the style they play uh after this game bruce cassidy did talk about uh how the islanders were getting away with a lot of calls and that they must call themselves the new york saints which was one of those things as soon as i heard him say that and they're going back to the coliseum for game six yeah you know fans are going to new yorkers are new yorkers exactly i don't care if they're from long island or the bronx or harlem they're gonna use it and they're chanting new york saints throughout the game it was such a close game through period and a half yep even yep. even towards the second boston it felt like there's such a dynamic offensive team yeah, that they, they could, had a chance to that, come back that's right exactly yeah yeah because at that point the islanders really hadn't started their grind it down new jersey devils closed the door hockey at that point which didn't even start until i mean the bruins had two shots i think it was more than halfway through that third period yeah that the the announcer said that yeah they need three goals and they've had two shots so even if those two shots go in they're still losing and they scored one they scored one of those two shots uh the brad marchand gets two goals in an elimination game Mm -hmm. the islanders win six two again one of those ones where it was like it was more like four two yeah two empty netters the big thing for me is that the Bruins do have the top end talent, but it was just kind of the Islander just, I don't even want to say, cause I always say depth, but depth of talent because Brock Nelson steps up big in these last two games. Thank you. Uh, Matt Barzell, Josh Bailey, John Gabriel Pajot, who kind of felt like was the unsung hero because Barry Trotz trust him in pretty much any situation. Yep. Bavillier. Uh, Bavillier, Kyle yep. Palmieri. Yep. And the fact that they're doing all of this and they're getting their rematch with Tampa Bay all without their captain. Yeah, exactly. Um, the biggest disappointment for me, and I, I don't think I've ever said this before, was Bergeron. He's, he was kind of not there. Especially because Pasternak like, and Marchand showed up. Yeah, yeah. It, Bergeron wasn't in on a lot of those goals. And he's usually right in the mix of all that stuff. Even like killing penalties and stuff. I, I just didn't notice him out there, yeah. to be honest with you. Maybe he was hurt or something, because normally he's the MVP of the Bruins, regardless of what he's doing. Yeah, even when they lose in the Stanley Cup final to Chicago, he still looked amazing, yeah. and he had a collapsed lung. Right, exactly. It, so. it's, I, hope, I hope it's not one of those he's getting older, and that's kind of him slowing down. Right. But also, 
Charlie McAvoy, who I think we've we've given quite a bit of praise. He is a legit number one defenseman that really needs not he needs help because he's bad, but he needs help because to me, the only way the Bruins would win this series if he was playing 36, 37 minutes a night. It yeah. felt like he needed to be out there for anything to happen offensively or defensively. Agreed. The Bruins have a number one defenseman, and then they've got five number four defensemen. Yeah. Defensemen. Yeah. Is that a word? Defensemen. Defensemen. Yeah. Moose or mooses? <laughs> anyway, yeah. The, the Bruins need a little bit of help on the back end there. You, you lose Krug and... And Chera, I know Chera's not a, you know, I, I still think he's a top four. He'd probably be playing with McAvoy. Playing, exactly. He would be useful in this series. Absolutely. Especially with the Islanders, they start every period with Kyle Clutterbuck, Casey Sezikis, right. and Matt Martin. Yeah. Which honestly was one of the things I forgot. I forgot Matt Martin was a Leaf. To me, he was just kind of always an Islander, but mm-hmm. my girlfriend just hates him. And every time he's on the ice, because he's always in the middle of these fights and kind of starts them. And she's just like, why is it always him? And I, and I just said, he gets paid like $2 million a year to just do that. Right. And that's what they want him to do. They, that's what they want that line to do, even though like they do have some offensive ability. For sure they do. And a shout out to your Uncle Jack. He's an Islanders fan. He wanted me to mention that because nice. he listens. That's good. I'm, I, my, he likes the Leafs too, but of course, like anybody, you other Leafs, you need a second team. But that was his first team growing up, so I'll I give that to you. I, I'm gonna be really sad because I picked two teams in these playoffs that I've really just kind of cheered with and rode with. And if somehow the Islanders and Canadians play in the Stanley Cup final, Eesh. I'm gonna be really sad because I, I wouldn't know who to actually cheer for. Right. Because. Montreal, obviously, the Canadian team aspect, because apparently Leaf fans are mad about that. I mean, the, they did light the CN Tower up in uh, Le Blanc et Rouge oui. for the Canadians. Oui. And Leaf fans got mad about that, and they say, why do we have to cheer for Montreal? Which, you don't. You could cheer for whoever you want. And also, some people get mad about cheering for other teams in the playoffs. But, right. like, obviously, some games you could just watch and you can, you can enjoy or whatever. But yeah. isn't it more fun to just be like, oh, I hope these guys win? Yeah, that's what isn't that why we do hockey pools? <laughs> like that's the way I was cheering for Colorado over Vegas. Like I don't really have a rooting interest, but I do because there's a hockey pool at stake. Yeah. Pride, <laughs> pride. That that is definitely a good thing. And some people take not even take it too seriously, but just if you're a Leaf fan and you want to cheer for Montreal because you want a Canadian team to win, just just cheer for them. No one's gonna. Yeah. There's no Leaf fan revoke. I think. Leaf fans can do whatever they want, and they could still be Leaf fans come October. That's right. Just like they've done for the last 50-odd years. <laughs> uh, so Montreal does win game four, 3-2 in overtime. Tyler Toffoli winner. The Habs sweep. To me, the biggest surprise of this game was Carey Price made 14 saves. And yeah. for Winnipeg, your season's on the line. And just, they were flat. Absolutely. Like I said, I thought this would be the opportunity. Back-to-back games. You think you got a tired Habs team? They didn't look tired at all. The no Jets Jeff Petrie. Looked, the yeah, the Jets looked tired, and they they weren't. They were rusty. No, and Connor Hallibuck made thirty seven saves and did everything he yeah, could. And I, the fact yeah. that it even went to overtime, I think, was a surprise. Yeah, I agree. Um, after this series, which I'm glad I almost forgot before we started recording, uh, Mark Shifley, who before this series never really said much no. similar to nathan mckinnon very just like i like hockey and that's all i care about i don't right. want to talk about anything else but 
he was taken out of the series and i wonder my question was because he was suspended for four games winnipeg only played three more does he miss the first game of next year yes he does wow that's that's tough and in a pretty like snarky comment which uh, i'll give him credit he thought the suspension was excessive and obviously you're going to especially your season's over but yeah. he said i was expecting to get shut down by philip Deneau, not the, the department of player safety right pretty i i really like that i, yeah. I really want to know if he practiced that because it's a really like well thought out line and I think there is a big problem with the Department of Player Safety. It just is hasn't felt consistent Consistency, all year. It's it if they would have if they tell us what the rules are, then it would make more sense. But it's just eight games, four games, six games. Well, that guy's a repeat offender. Why wouldn't he get more games? And this guy's never done it before. Why is he getting so many games? But I know, and that's all they just say every time, right? It's a it's a player by player basis, and also. Do you know what the repeat offender rule, like what the... I, I don't recall what it is. It's 18 months, which to me, Nazem Kadri makes the hits, Justin Falk, dirty hit, gets suspended. Right. You're not suspending him for seven games, eight games? Be you got eight, yeah. And you're not doing that because of just that hit. You know what right. his history is. Right. Repeat offender to me should be your entire career. Yes, correct. It's not just, oh, what has he done in the last year and a half? Right. Well, what if he's Rafi Torres and for a year and a half he's been good? Uh, yeah. Well, and that's where I can see that maybe someone's starting to learn. That's that's where maybe that comes from. Right? Yeah. You got a clean slate for 18 months, then. It's it, it just, it's not what it, 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 if that's the NHL's really their biggest problem, I would say right now. And that I think that is a good thing because. It does seem like it's an easy fix of either someone needs to talk to George Barrows, maybe Chris Pronger needs to talk to him, right? or get someone else in that job. <laughs> maybe let's not have a guy that had an NHL career based on fighting have make these decisions. It's it's a tough job. For sure. No, it's not easy. I, I almost want to say that job, people hate the person in it more than the commissioner. Probably Over because the you're the face. Because it was Brandon yeah. Shanahan, then it was Pronger, it was but like Colin Campbell uh, at one time. Colin Campbell so. is just he's an abomination, and he still works for the NHL even yeah. after those emails came out where he said, "Hey, stop calling penalties on my son." Mm -hmm. Like that is nepotism at its finest mm -hmm. at the NHL level. Uh, back back to the games. Uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina. Uh, Tampa Bay wins two nothing in Game Five. Eliminate your Hurricanes. Yep. Andre Vasilevsky, third straight shutout and an elimination game. Wow, this uh, was a close, closer series than five. Like, for sure, uh, the Canes could have won either one of games one or two mm -hmm. um, easily. Not easily, but they could have won them. They, it was there for the taking. So. There was one, one at least one game up in the air that Tampa Bay. You could just that was a moment where yeah, this team won the Stanley Cup this year. They kind of know what to do in these situations. Yeah, they kind of figured things out. It, that was the only knock I'd say for Brendan Moore is he should have pulled Mrazek in game four uh, when the score was 4-3. Yeah. Uh, it was 4-2. Mrazek let in another one. I'm not, what, regardless of whether it was a, a easy goal to let in or not a good goal. It's or the little, momentum. Yeah. just It's like a timeout. Put in your other guy who's a, who should be your starter anyway, mm -hmm. and then now you ride him the rest of the way. Because yeah. he was going to play the next game anyway, I think. So, mm -hmm. 
Uh, also, I have to call out Brendan Burke, who NBC, the play-by-play guy, 100% tried to... I wrote down curse, but he tried to jinx. He tried to jinx Vasilevsky because he really? he brought up the, the, shutout? the shutout thing. And wow. he said, he didn't say the word, so okay. I will say that. But he said his last two elimination games, he shut shutout then. And then he said, oh, he's 29 of 29 saves so far. So he did dance around it, but right. he brought it up for a reason. I think he did want a little bit more of a Carolina scores one and then right. you get make it interesting at the end. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, who... Another guy, I, I don't think I've ever heard him say anything. No. Especially okay. out there. Yeah. And he said, I mean, it's a disappointing year, but we lost to a team that's $18 million over the salary cap. He's not wrong. He's not. I'm actually kind of glad an NHL player said something like this. Yeah. I like these guys that have personality yeah. and are willing to say stuff. For sure. And Kutrov just kind of responded. He said, I don't make the rules, which is no. fair. He's no. not blaming the Lightning. He's yeah, yeah. blaming the NHL. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why do the rules change for the playoffs? Just like refing. Yeah. While the refing changes, so so does the payroll. We'll just let it, be, you know, whatever you want. So it's almost like at the deadline, if why not pick up a guy that's got $8 million and then just put him in on the injured reserve? We're going to just have you sit there for three or four weeks and then you'll be all ready for the playoffs but you can practice with us the whole time right that's why the the leaf podcast that i listened to said why don't we just put Tavares on long-term injury reserve for next year and trade yeah. for jack eichel right exactly and then come playoff time you have this full tilt roster it's definitely flawed but also it's it's shenanigans for sure tampa yeah. bay doing this yeah, but yeah. they manipulated the rules in it, their way absolutely if i was a lightning fan i'd be excited yeah we for sure because good for them that that is the other thing that they did figure it out but we also talked a month before the playoffs about Nikita Kucherov we knew he was coming back we knew he was healthy or at least we could assume from everything they've said right neither of us picked him for the hockey point I'm still mad about that he leads the playoffs in points yeah especially me like if I had point and Kucherov together right that would have been I mean even if you had Kucherov too it would have made all the difference but uh Vegas Colorado which Colorado starts the playoffs on a six-game win streak. Yep. They look like the most dominant team you've ever seen. For sure. Can't be stopped yep. in Vegas because this is just – we can say this is what Vegas does. In the four years they've existed, three times they made it to – we call it the semifinals now, final four, conference finals, whatever you want to call it. Right. They've made it to the final four teams three times out of their four years. Right. And really, they could have made it four out of four. Except like, for San Jose. Yeah. With the bad call, but uh, game five, three two overtime win. Mark Stone blocks a shot, skates down the ice. Which I kind of forgot everyone's criticism of Mark Stone is that he's not a good skater. Which it's not like yeah, he was blazing yeah. down the ice, yeah, but yeah. he is good enough. He's to me, I think he deserves to win the Selkie because I feel like we just always give it to centers, right? But he's such a good defensive player, he is. Yep, yep, and has that big winner. And it was a game where it just felt like Colorado really needed it they needed that pick-me-up of winning at home and were they not up to nothing and vegas storms back they figured yeah they figured it away and according to nathan mckinnon they were the best defensive team in the nhl this year which um i wouldn't say surprised me because their decor is really good but i guess we just think of them as this offensive the firehouse or firehouse the firepower and dominance exactly uh, game six, Vegas, six, three, five, three or four, three. I don't know when game six. two over two empty netters. I think it was, 
Yes, yes. Um, my favorite part had to have been Pete DeVoer calling Alex Petrangelo a monster, which this whole series, especially this game, he looked to me like Victor Hedman might have been the only defenseman better than him. Yeah, yeah, he, fair enough. Just defensively, offensively, he did everything Vegas needed. and Right. That's I, why they got him. Yeah, it's one of those, he's the best free agency signing because he was the best player. Right. And has made the most impact. For sure. Um, so now Vegas plays Montreal, which I love because I tried to rationalize it in my head earlier this week of, okay, it was before game five. I'm like, okay. If Colorado wins, okay, that's cool. Like Battle of Patrick Waugh, like trying to think of some. The yeah, would have old... been the old Quebec Nordiques against the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. And then I thought, okay, what does Vegas and Montreal have in common? And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, Max Pacioretty, you know, the that's Canadiens' right. former captain. Yep. And Nick Suzuki, who has oh, made right. such an impact on the series, were traded right. for each other. Right. And now we get to see them face off. Yep. I also wanted to ask this question, and I wish I could apologize to Leaf fans, but I feel like we all know what this answer is is would you rather have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, or you get Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi? Wow. Yeah, I would go with the Leafs. I would, except I like that these Montreal, these young guys, and... And they're cheap. Cheap. <laughs> right now. And the oldest guy out of that Montreal group, I think think is Kotkaniemi and he's 22 right and the youngest guy for the Leafs out of that group is Matthews and he's 23 so you're getting everybody younger and last year they had a great run in the bubble and this year they're getting another good run and now Caulfield obviously is 20 years old he sets up the overtime winner but you can see him getting more comfortable yeah and even uh Dominic Ducharme is trusting this to Foley Suzuki Caulfield line yeah so much and Maybe not as much defensively because they have Dano Gallagher and insert third player who will make Whoever an impact. Right. I'm surprised that Cofield was scratched. You know, against early the Leafs. Yeah. yeah. Marley made an appearance. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Vegas Montreal is going to be fun. Nathan McKinnon after the game, which um, I already forget the reporter's name from Colorado, is asking a question, and. I guess now with like the Zoom interview, Zoom press conferences, we've just kind of thrown out the rules because this journal yeah. journalist goes, "Oh, you're going into next year," and like, "Are you just thinking fuck it?" And he right. said that rated R, and it it shocked me. I'm like, how how could? Because McKinnon even says earlier, he's like, "I'm going into my ninth year and I haven't won shit." You can right. expect someone to say that yeah. high emotion. Yeah. This guy and I looked him up and he has like a history. Like he's written a couple books, especially about the like late 90s early 2000s avalanche so i feel like he's a very like old school hockey mind right but to say that right and ask him that question and he just kind of he doesn't say anything and they're yeah. just like all right next question yeah and that was a dumb question it was why yeah, th- it's like you don't need a, any coaches just go out and just play yeah. willy-nilly it doesn't work like that and he's just and his question doesn't really make sense it's like do you just stop playing defense like yeah. what's your yeah how do you how do you just say fuck it like it yeah. doesn't make no. sense but McKinnon, like Shifley, are guys I would take on my team. And McKinnon's one of those guys where we were talking about Gabe Landis Cog because he's a free agent. If he leaves, I think the second he signs that contract, Nathan McKinnon is named the captain because he feels right. like a captain of this team. Yeah, for even sure. though Landis Cog's been there for longer, and he just you can see the genuine disgust, and obviously you're a few minutes removed from losing. Yeah. 
but you could see the emotions and you it's someone who I don't know to me he's the third best center second best center in hockey and yeah they haven't made it past the second round which kind of shocked me yeah. but it feels like every time they're so close it's almost like they're the semi-evolved version of the Leafs because they have mm-hmm. this these superstar players and this great offensive team and a defensive team that I don't think was bad against Vegas. Like, they lose no. 6-3, but it's a yeah, deceptive yeah. 6-3. For sure, for sure. They pull their goalie with, like, three minutes left and give up two goals. That's, yeah. like, your your season's on the line. Uh, so, Stanley Cup semifinal preview. Islanders-Lightning starts uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. I like that we get an afternoon game, and they're going to just alternate no days off from Sunday until, I guess, these series are over. Right. What are your expectations, Islanders Lightning? Who we get a rematch? This is a rematch yeah. from the conference final last year in the bubble, which was what six games? Six games, yeah. I, I think it'll be the same. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, both these teams are the same. Like, they just they haven't changed. No, they're it, uh, Lightning are think are stronger. Yeah, they got Stamkos. Mm-hmm. They never had them against the Islanders last year, mm. and the Islanders are to me are the same. Like you were saying, they don't have their captain. They kind of tried to make that up with Palmieri and uh, the other guy they got from New Zajac. Jersey. Yeah, they're they're. I just I don't know. I I just thought Carolina or Florida had a better chance of beating Tampa Bay than the Islanders do. Mm-hmm. Although the Islanders play a good defensive playoff system, so it's the perfect matchup of two teams that play so contrasting styles that who who's gonna budge who is are the islanders because if they're winning games actually we should give them more credit that they are more of an offensive team when they have to be well and that's yeah i almost i'm gonna be cheering for tampa to score the first goal in this game in the whole series each game because then it's an entertaining game that the islanders actually have to play offense yeah yeah i think for me because these teams do seem so even even their decors, like I know, obviously, if you're comparing third pair Mikhail Sergachev and David Savard to Andy Green and Noah Dobson, there's an advantage for Tampa, but yeah. it's those top four that play 30 minutes. Yeah. And my difference is goaltending. I just, I, I don't know if I trust Varlamov as much as I do yeah, Vasilevsky. Exactly. And yeah, the Lightning are going to try to win every game 5 4. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to think. So we got two. Russian goalies left and two Canadian goalies. Yeah. I didn't even think about so we could talk about Vegas, Montreal that starts Monday. I like that even though it's Monday, it's like a late it's a nine o'clock Eastern start. Really? Because it's in Vegas. Oh, okay. Um Carey Price versus Marc Andre Fleury. I didn't even think about that as a matchup. This feels like I don't want to say Carey Price's last chance because clearly this Montreal team is built for the next few years, but this feels like his best chance to make a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I don't disagree. This is so you're looking at uh, the um, the franchise that has had the most championships or most success over the long term versus mm-hmm. a franchise that's had the most success over the short term. If Vegas beats Montreal, do we call them the greatest franchise? Two Stanley Cup finals appearances in four no. years? No. It was, it was a fun thought. Yeah. Um, I Again, the Pacioretty-Suzuki thing I think is fun. My biggest thing is, and they get these few days off, I just hope Jeff Petrie's healthy because, if anything, I just don't want Montreal to get steamrolled by Vegas. Right. And then everyone goes, look how bad the North Division was. Yeah. 
Oh, and that could happen because again, I've watched a lot of hockey this year, and I'll tell you, those Colorado Las Vegas games are just—it's another level. That Montreal, I think you're gonna. I think we'll know within the first half of that first game, the first right. period of if that first game, if they can the, hang. Yeah, exactly. Which is unfortunately what it feels like, and. If it's Vegas-Tampa, first of all, great matchup for whoever gets to commentate that. Go back and forth from Tampa, from Florida to Las Vegas right. is a is a not too bad of a trip. I mean, it's the summer everywhere, but Florida and Nevada, they're not bad yeah, choices. That's right. Uh, that's all I got. Are you ready for your oh. bad, good, and great? Yes. Besides uh, Nadal losing. Yeah, but I still have that as my great. One of my, because the match was the, yeah like i just once it was like i don't know maybe halfway through the match i realized you know what i'm gonna sit back like nadal's won 13 okay so the last 15 years nadal my favorite players won it so i just you know i realized you know this 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 is like epic this is like history yeah your, so, your time is gonna come eventually that someone's just gonna catch you on the wrong night right exactly um all right so here's here's uh my bad it's actually a question for you. Um, how long ago do you think? Uh, when was the last time Serena Williams won a Grand Slam? I feel like it should be longer than I realized. So I'm going to say 2017. Yeah, four years ago. Wow, yeah, you're right. So that's that's kind of crazy for the like kind of second dominant run that she had. Right, and you know they're still saying she's dominating, but she's really not. She hasn't won in four years, right? So, anyway, her best chances are probably coming up here in Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. But anyway, that was my bad because I didn't realize it was that long. Mm-hmm. Um, um, good. I I would say is the new blood for women's tennis. So they're the quarterfinalists and the semifinals. So we're all new. Uh, also, um, the CFL ratified their agreement. I thought that was, I totally forgot there's been no CFL again. I'm not a big CFL guy, no. but I like it. Yeah. I, I want it to be around. So I guess they've ratified their August start date. So that's going to start to happen as long as they get, I think it's 30% at least of fans because they rely they on need most the, fans the ticket to... sales. Yep. I I like that. I mean, again, yeah. And I used to be a really big CFL. It it kind of takes me a bit to get into it, but I feel like their advantage was always starting early, and I always just wanted them to start earlier. Just why not start in like April? So by the time the NFL starts, you're pretty close to the playoffs by then, right? Because once the NFL starts, the CFL is takes a backseat and yeah. isn't even in the backseat. They're in the trunk behind yeah. the NFL and college football. Right. No, fair enough. Even in Canada. Fair enough. I think there were still rumors they were going to marry up with um, the, the XFL. XFL so. It's it's smart. It's talks. too kind of – I don't. I feel bad saying struggling, but like too not as profitable as the two juggernauts of football. Why not team up? And For sure. Even if you do like a, a AFL, NFL, like world championship. Exactly kind of cool mm-hmm. right? it'd be fun all right and uh my great obviously was again that nadal Djokovic match i thought it was awesome i, I have it 29 29 because i was thinking nadal was going to win it and then they would be tied all time but now Djokovic is up 30 to 28 wow 58 times so it's pretty hard to come up with something new right when mm-hmm. you're playing each other and then my other um it's not really a great but it was just more of a question 
for you. Um, again, tennis related. Do you prefer going with the Hawkeye for uh, close calls on the line? Or do you prefer the umpire getting out of the seat and checking the ball mark? I think the only time it makes sense for the umpire to do that is the French Open because there's a pretty clear mark on the ground. Even I think you can do the Hawkeye even for the French they, Open. Because they do have the Hawkeye for the French Open, but the tournament doesn't use it. NBC and Tennis Channel use it. That is that to me is just and one the of the calls are not always the same. Yeah, like it's very clear when robots are in control, like right. especially it's a baseball thing too. When robots are in control, there's no there's no bias, there's no human error. It's just this is what happened. Especially I didn't even think about that, but yeah, umpires to climb down from an unnecessarily high, I guess you do have to see the yep. the play. Yep. The play, do you call it the play? Yeah. Rally. Um because yeah, I think about it, in every other tournament they're using the Hawkeye, and that's your that's your decision. I, I I didn't mind line judges like that to me wasn't really a problem because they're like getting the right angles and they have multiple like of them. Right. But I feel like just it, I mean it's not a great thing for the future, but it just feels like a robot is the right answer, and they're more times than not going to have the right answer. Right. Yeah. Anyway, just just a question because yeah, the, I felt bad a few times. The umpire's coming out, and he's not even, or she is yeah. not even quite sure. They come and look at it, and you know, there well, there's a little speck here on the, the you know, like. And, and then, then you the, have the player basically standing over them, being yeah. like, "See, look, it's out. See, yeah. can't yeah. you see that?" And yeah. So yeah, to me, I I prefer the Hawkeye because then again, who's the <laughs> Who player fighting at? exactly right? And then you're eliminating all those. Um, Unfortunately, the lines people, because that is now the last tournament that still has lines people. So when you watch Wimbledon, there will not be anyone standing on the side or behind the players. It'll just be Hawkeye. Which was also, wasn't it the French Open was either the first or for the longest time that they had the, like, I don't know, what the, bu- the buzzer or the ringing when you hit yes. the net or yeah. a let or yeah. hitting the net? Right. It just feels like that's the... Right, like if there's a sensor on the net that can yeah. feel it. Well, it used to be a person. It used to be a net person, actually. That's all they would do is just touch the net, which is my next question is um, would you be okay with a let serve just being play on? Ooh, I I feel like because it's a part of like in the mid, if it's in the middle of a rally, then yep. you can let it go. I think as long as the players agree to it, I think I would be okay with it. To me, it's not like a huge deal. Obviously, if it's like let out, then right. that, it's not not a let. Isn't that just it's, out then? It's a fault, yeah. Like if it's a second serve, it's yeah. a point. But if it's first serve and the, goes in the box, to me, I'd say just play, play it. Because right? yeah. like, a lot of it, it's not like the, the server is automatically going to get the point. It's not like it just hits the net, falls over like, like a in drop the, shot or yeah. something, right? It's going to usually bounce and then... But that's their fault for not putting it over the net and your continuing play. So I like that one. Mm-hmm. And the other one I like too, again, another question for you is um, I'm sick and tired of these tennis players throwing up a toss and not hitting the ball. How many times did like we play cat, and you, and you, to- and you, we're not great tennis players. I'm hitting, I'm hitting every toss I throw up there. I'm not like letting it drop and oh, sorry, let me try again. So they were saying if you don't hit it, and it's you let it drop its fault, which I like that. It's putting pressure. Serves. I think if you add if you add both of those rules together, because the let thing, 
I think players would try to use to their advantage, and they would they actually could. try to, to serve yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you could probably get better at it for sure. I remember when we played. You actually, I can attest, you didn't miss a serve. I missed one serve, and it's because I looked directly at the sun when I threw the ball up. Okay, so I couldn't. So I kind of lost it. But right. besides that, yeah, we're not great tennis players, yeah. but we're not missing like that. And yeah, it's always a big production. It also made me think of uh medvedev when he was arguing with the ump and he the ump was like oh i guess i should have given you that point and he right. just goes well you know now if i lose it's your fault yeah yeah <laughs> like he is such a jerk yeah and i guess he should be a part of that group the sitsi pass verev right team. for sure i think yep. he, he must be a little bit older yeah yeah he'd be like 25 ish which is almost is like middle aged in tennis yeah oh for sure it should is. be yeah um, all right. Got anything? Any other questions? No, no. That was it. That's Just good. wanted to throw those out. I like those. Especially, it's it's ideas that I hope they will entertain. Right. Because I, it's... I'm it's, sure they are. It's stuff to change and make it more entertaining, which I always forget how much I love tennis until I watch... A match live? Like a great match yep. and see... How, e- yeah, like there, another one was towels. Why not, why can't the players have towels like uh, the NFL quarterbacks do? Then that way you don't have to. Because now they got towel cams. Yeah, right. Like why? It's like because the player's tired and he's trying to gasp for air and he's trying to get as many seconds as he can in before the next point. Have they? I didn't see it much in this, but are they still doing the like ball? People can't give you the towel. Yep. Yeah. There's a box. Where the towel goes, and that's where the camera is now. Uh, that that is uh, it's something cam. that yeah. If you're if you're wanting to slow the match down, it's the easiest way to take advantage. Yeah. Like oh, I'm sorry, I'm sweaty. Let me let me rub, wipe down everything, and right. It it definitely slows down a sport that already isn't fast. Exactly. Yeah. And there's ways to speed it up. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's good. I like that. We'll, great. we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back Monday, French Open, and. Uh, I guess we'll only really be able to talk about Game 1, Islanders, Lightning, NBA playoffs. And uh, I'm going to give some homework to you now to look up the NHL Fan Choice Awards. Okay. Because there's some fun awards in there, and we'll we'll make our, our picks on the next episode. And then reveal them during round three of the <laughs> NHL playoffs is when they should be displayed. Yes. All right. <laughs> and uh, besides that, we'll see you next time.